everyone. You know the guest of today's flashback episode from 13 Going on 30, Arrested Development, Mad Love, Married, and a lot more. Here's Judy Greer. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Do you know the five stages of an actress's career? No. Who is Judy Greer? That Judy Greer, she's really got something. Get me Judy Greer. I want a young Judy Greer. Who is Judy Greer? <laughs> My friend Ajay told me that. And I was like, you're so mean. I always think that, like, you know you've made it as an actress. When you've died, hopefully it's murder, like, in just in terms of your character journey. Okay. You've had a baby. Mm-hmm. You've played a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And I've done all and those And you played a drug addict? Sex addict? Does yeah, that count? Yeah, sure. Okay. You were tipsy on mom. I was. I mean, I don't know if that really counts. No, but. I definitely played like a sex addict. So I feel like that, it's an addiction. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of fun. Was that unnerving? Who was that? It was this movie I did with Natasha Lyonne called Addicted to Fresno. Oh. That was an indie that I really loved making. But yeah, my character was a sex addict who... She got kicked out of rehab, but she lied about it. I'm looking at my phone because I Go just found it. something before you walked in that I really want to record you watching this. Oh. This is um on YouTube and I just found it. <laughs> oh dear. There's a VHS tape that is going into a VHS player. Love line. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> what is this? 1999, baby. Literally have no memory. <laughs> hey guys, I found I just found this YouTube video of Judy on Loveline. I oh my I want to see myself. Stars in- Deluxe. <laughs> now I have to go home and watch that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Hilarious. Um, yeah. I sort of feel like maybe that was taped somewhere in Hollywood. I mean, I had only been living in LA for like, well, that's what I wanted to ask you because that was 1999. When did you move here? I think I moved here in 98 because so you- I did Jawbreaker and that was with Julie. So we was it your been first doing movie? For- yeah. It was my first job that I got. I was here just visiting and I booked Jawbreaker and a TV pilot, which didn't get picked up. Hmm. Yeah. And I like just obviously decided to stay because I was working that's amazing though and when young actors like do you have any advice i'm like no i don't i don't know how you make it in this business i don't because it was very easy for me i'll just be honest but yeah but you had years of training and i'm sure you you went through like you know rejection like you know through college and everything i would imagine i mean yeah like well i thought for a long time that going to acting school was a stupid idea. Like once I started acting professionally, I was like, why did I do that? Like you don't need to like learn to act. And then I've realized since I've come full circle and like everyone should at least study with someone. Yeah. You know, like I think it's really helpful. And recently I've just started using a coach again. Really? I've never used a coach, but I just started using a coach like two or three years ago. This amazing woman named Nancy Banks. And I love it because like, you know, I don't have time to go to acting class. I'd love to be in an acting class. I'd love to take Nancy's acting class. But, you know, I'm busy working. Thank God. I'm terrified of using an acting coach. It's great. You should call her if you ever want to. It has to be like the right fit because I don't. It does. It's like a therapist. You have to find someone that like I enjoy tough love personally. And she's like that. And she just cuts to the chase and, you know, she's not like, she's not like a hand holder, like, oh, that was so wonderful. Right, right, right. right. She's like, okay, great. That's right. That's right. right. Good. And then, you know, she's also like, (laughs) I'm so cheap and Midwestern, but I feel like she's very conscious of my hour and how much I'm spending. (laughs) So she's always like, we got it. Let's move on. (laughs) Which I really like a lot. Well, and it's nice to have like efficiency. Yes. Yeah. I really cherish efficiency. Because I really like it when a director will give me a line reading. Me too. Because I'll just get frustrated myself if I'm not able to unlock what he or she is saying. Yeah. 90% of the time it's (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. I do want to talk about some of that stuff. Actually, I was thinking about that with you because I haven't talked too much sort of about – 
the sort of the shifts in Hollywood with too many of my guests at all. So you got here in 98. I got yeah. here in 99. So we kind of had the same like experience in terms of back in the day when you would go out for three auditions a day or oh whatever. God. You're running all over town. Changing your clothes in your car. Yeah. Oh God, changing the clothes in the car. I mean, dudes could have seen so many boobs if they knew where to look. I think look. they probably did. <laughs> I we saw like a dude changing his pants in his car. I was like, oh, I wonder if he's like on his way to a pilot season audition. <laughs> but now it feels to me it's essential for actors to be proactive in a way that we – that was just different <sighs> such from – a drag. I started feeling it in around 2007 that suddenly there weren't as many movies. I wasn't getting – auditions and it felt like at 30 I was like is the town trying to tell me that it's ready for me to leave like do I need to think about the English degree and how like <laughs> bad I am at writing and like I and know. I don't know how to use what am I gonna computers? do computers so it was like around then that I felt like oh maybe I have to start hustling like, like yeah yeah like figuring out how I can generate my own work and I started like working with writers and stuff and a couple of things went that was thrilling and then you know a bunch of things didn't but do you feel that same way? Yeah, and I'm making like a ugh, yes face because I don't know. I work really hard, but I think I did like it better when they just told me where the audition was and I tried really hard to get the part and then <laughs> I got died. it. I know because now I do think there's all this pressure. Like if you're not writing your own content and if you're not like proactively pitching yourself and writing something for yourself to star in or do or you're not producing on the side, then what are you doing? You're wasting these opportunities. And I think that's a lot of pressure for us to have on ourselves. And I think we put this pressure on ourselves because like, I don't know, in a weird way, this business is a little like sports and there is like an element of competition, I think just in, you know, like, how do I get better? And how do I make sure that like, you know, I'm doing something that I can do even when I get older, like, or if I don't want to work so hard, I can do this instead or something. I, I don't know. I do feel a lot of pressure. Like we have to do that. And you're right. I wouldn't say that I necessarily totally enjoy it. <laughs> Well, you're right in the sense that usually by the time we would get to like the audition process, there was like an 80% chance that the project was going to go. Oh, yeah. Like it's far enough along. But like the creation process, it feels like it's so far in the distance that it feels like yeah. it's the impossible achievable. I don't know. And it's so – I know. And it also felt really good to win a role through an audition. Yeah. That, that was I thrilling. Love. I still love that. I still love when I get to audition and I get a part and I'm just like, yeah. And I still get really nervous when I get offered roles and I go to set and I'm like, we haven't talked about, like, they don't know what I'm doing. It makes me like so nervous, at least in the audition. Like my last, I mean, I've auditioned since, but I got, I do this show called Kidding and I auditioned for it and it was like such a bad audition and I like went to my car and cried because I was like, I'm so perfect for this role. How could I have fucked it up so much? But I got it. Then that was that feeling of like, oh my God. Yeah. Like they're sending your tape to Jim Carrey. And I'm like, what? Like I couldn't believe it because I thought it was such a bad audition. And then it just made getting the role like that much better. I know. It's such a victory. Yeah. But then when I'm pitching something of my own – I get exhausted sometimes before even the first pitch because you're uh -huh. looking at something and you're like, well, this is going to be two to three years of my life. Like to find a writer who's willing to write this, even though it's not their idea, which I don't know if you have a problem ever with that. I'm sure people want to write tons of stuff for you. But like yeah. I have a problem sometimes finding someone that like will be willing to write a thing that isn't their own story. You know what I mean? Because they want to have – ownership over it, which they should. And I don't write like that. So I'm not going to write it. I wrote a romantic comedy that was 300 pages long. Like <laughs> it was like awful. <laughs> and I don't know. I find that, yes, the development process is so long. And I don't know. You're also catching me on a day where I just wrapped something and I'm know, so I'm, exhausted. You're so, <laughs> I'm like, you're so sweet to be here. No, I stop. But I'm like, I know I probably, I'm sounding like really jaded. I don't mean to at all. But sometimes it's like, I miss the day when, yes, something is like pretty much about to be done. And that's why they're casting it. Was it a lot of night shoots too? It really wasn't because we were in the studio a lot, which oh, was nice. Good. Yeah, it was really good. Like in the beginning, there was like a couple nights, but mostly it was just in the studio. So that was good. We had a lot of control over that. And okay, we were like, you probably can't tell us if you die or not. 
but I can't tell you that. Can but you tell us if you're good or bad? Well, no, you my character can't. goes through a real journey. Oh. She gets an emotional support dog. <sighs> and the dog <sighs> starts to kill the people that upset her. Oh, it's a loyal dog. Just like my dog. <laughs> I think yeah. she hasn't killed anyone <laughs> that I know of, at least not since <laughs> I've had her, but not for lack of trying. <laughs> Is it a rescue dog? Yes. She's so awesome. I feel like she's actually my alter ego because I'm always like nice and friendly and happy. And then I have this little dog that's like, fuck you. And I'm like, that's sometimes how I really feel on the inside. But did you study comedy? Like, or did, was that even a thing when you were studying acting? No, it was just theater school. Yeah. I went to theater school to be, I guess, a stage actress. I don't know. And we did a lot of improv at my school. A ton, actually, which is weird because improv is such a thing now. And I just thought it was a way for us to do scenes all the time where you don't have to, like, learn your lines all the time. But it really has helped probably, like, more than anything else. And I bet it was so much more fun. Than- yeah. It was fun because you get up there and you're just, like – and you were never really improving because it was acting school, not, like, comedy school. We weren't improving to be funny, you know? Like, there's sometimes – where our scenes would get really sad or really dark or really creepy. But it was a good way to just act quickly without having to, like, go home and take a scene. Well, it and, also like, really forces you to engage with your fellow actor. You have yeah. to, to be good at improv, right? I guess you have to listen to them, <laughs> which you don't have to do necessarily when you're acting. I've, I've learned yes. I've learned from people I've acted with. <laughs> be like, if you listen to what I was saying, you would remember your line because I'm asking you a question yeah. that you could just answer, I, and that would be your line. <laughs> It's so easy, actually. <laughs> but it's okay. You do it your way. We all have our own methods. Like this term, I call it the bounce board, like the female character to the guy who gets a ton of fun. I feel like the landscape is shifting in the last few years. And I always get worried, like, did they hire me in the hopes that I would elevate this? Because I don't know yes, if I know Yes, the answer how. is yes. But that's why they hired you because that makes their job easier and that's fucked up and it's a compliment at the same time because it shouldn't be our responsibility to bring a poorly written supporting character to life. You know, like, well, you'll do something with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how about you do something mm-hmm. with it? Yeah. But we do because obviously, like, we love it Money. and it's fun. And- oh, <laughs> Money. Job. Food. <laughs> I have to buy food to eat. <laughs> to put it in my food hole. Okay, Judy, so I want to ask you a few different things. I will answer them. Okay, so, well, a couple of bio things. So you were born in Detroit. Yes. As Judith Therese? Yes. Evans? Yeah. Now, where did Greer come from? Greer is my mother's maiden name. And 100 years ago, when I joined SAG, um, (laughs) you couldn't have the same name as someone else. Oh, I thought you were just really mad at your dad. (laughs) No, I I felt bad. Actually, I changed my name recently to be my husband's last name. And I, like, kept my last name I put as my middle name so that I would still have, like, a dad name in my name. Because I do think it was, like, maybe a small bummer. I don't know. He's never said anything. He's cool like that. But there was already a Judy Evans in SAG. She was on a soap Uh. opera. So I had to choose another name. So I decided I was going to be Judy McGuire because that was my grandma's maiden name. And I thought it was super cute. And it was like, I think I made this decision one night and I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and there was like billboards all over Chicago. I was in college at the time for this movie, Jerry Maguire, that was going to come out. And I was like, what? I want to be Judy Maguire. Like now there's a movie called Jerry Maguire. thought it was a sign. So I was uh, named Judy after my Aunt Judy Greer. So I changed my name to Judy Greer. And she's also my favorite aunt. She was. She's dead. But she, I mean, she probably still is. Okay. I want to ask you about your marriage. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you guys were together for seven years? We just celebrated our eighth-year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And you guys are living together? Yeah, we do live mm-hmm. together now. We didn't for a really long time. When did you guys <laughs> – oh, was that last year you were doing together? Yeah, last year we moved into my house together full-time. We always kept two houses, and we spent the night together mostly somewhere. There's sense to be made there. You know, it wasn't awful. And I was a little worried. I was like, what if 
I live with him full time in one house and it drives me crazy. Like, what if I can't do it? But I love it. It's awesome. I feel like the hardest thing would be like people asking you questions, like friends and About, family. Like, well, so you guys moved in together yet? Yeah. I feel like that would be kind of the thing of like. Yeah. I mean, it was always the goal to live in one home together. Definitely. Okay. So you met your husband on a blind date? Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Is yes. It, was we, it here in LA? Yeah, we had mutual friend. Well, I had a friend that worked for him on his show who texted me one day and was like, hey, are you seeing anyone right now? Because my boss at work is smart and funny and the chicks dig him. And I was like, oh. y'all go out on a date with him, whatever. And he said, do you want me to give him your number or email? Or do you want me to like have a drinks at our house, like him and his wife and invite you guys both? And wow, that is a good friend. I know. So I was like, no, just give him my number. I don't have time for all that shit. That was like a determined friend. He's like, they would be really yeah, good together. My friend, I'm, gonna make, yeah. I'm like, we're going to work hard to make this happen. I know. And I was like, just give him my number. We all know what's happening. And it'll be weird if I go to their, like, that seems even weirder to be like, yeah like supervised first meeting. Anyway, so he called me on the phone. He called. He didn't even text. That's really And nice. left a message because I didn't pick up because I didn't know who it was. And was like, hello, my name is Dean Johnson and I'm calling to ask you out on a date. <laughs> so cute. I still have the message saved. Really? Yes. I actually saved it on like a tape recorder that I went and bought at like – Office Depot just to save the message because oh. I knew when I switched phones or something that like right. all my shit was going to get deleted. And I was like, I can't. I have to. I saved like his first five voicemails because they oh, were really that's funny. Really I know, romantic. So and he knew what I looked like, but I didn't know what he looked like because I didn't have Facebook. So he was like, Do you want me to send you a picture of me before I pick you up for the date? And I was like, No, it's fine. Like, I don't know. I was weirded out. Like, what if he wasn't? attractive and I liked him so much from talking to him on the phone you know what I mean yeah yeah and I like I'm a terrible liar and I was like I think he'll know if I look at the picture and I'm like Ooh. So like you, you when decided I to roll the dice and make that face in person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just anyway I opened the front door and he was like really handsome oh. and tall where'd you guys go <laughs> so, we went to Katsuya in Hollywood yeah. and now I laugh so hard that he took me there because it's so not a place we would go, even though it's delicious. He was like, I don't know, where do you take actresses to eat? And like all the like political comedy nerds at his work were like, well, all the actors go to Katsuya. They all eat there every night. So that's where you have to take her. <laughs> he's like, so that's where we're going. And he's like uh, seven years older than me. And at the time when we had our first date, he was like starting to have to use readers to read. And we got into the restaurant. And he was like, just order, like, just order whatever you want and get, like, seconds for me. Like, just order for both of us and, like, whatever you want and then just get two of them because I like everything. I'm like, really? You just like everything? He's like, yeah, I like everything. I'm like, okay. So I ordered all this sushi for us. And, of course, like, after, like, you know, he totally cops to the fact that he was like, I just didn't want to put readers on at the table. I was so... And have, like, his Kris Kringle, like, Rite Aid reading glasses while he's like, oh, like, pulling the menu far away from him. Try So he just was like, yes, get whatever you get. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, if you've been to Katsuya, which clearly you have because you're an actress in Hollywood, <laughs> you'll know that the, like, the bathrooms in the restaurant are down this really dark hallway you go down this like it's like a black hallway. There's like no light, and then you go into the men's <laughs> or the women's. And so like we sit through dinner and we go to the bathroom before we're leaving the restaurant. And he goes in his bathroom and I go in mine. And I come out and there's a man standing in the hallway, and I just like standing in the hallway like by the door like waiting for Dean to come out of the bathroom. And we're standing there for like five minutes. And, like, I had no idea that it was him. And at one point he goes, should we go? I was like, yeah, totally. Let's go. I was mortified. Were you, like, pretending to look at the art? Like, what were well, you doing? The problem was there was a man standing in the hallway. And I was so terrified that my date was going to come out of the bathroom and see me looking at another guy. Because, like, I really had a fun dinner with him and I really liked him and I was afraid. I was like, I can't even look at him. Also, I was in a very, I guess, emotionally abusive relationship before I met Dean. So I was, like, trained to, like, never look at anyone. So I was like, 
always like looking down and I'm like, I knew there was a man standing in front of me, but I was like, if I even look up at him for a second, that's when Dean will walk out of the bathroom and see me looking at another guy and it'll be awful and I'll feel so bad. And so I was just like this. So I didn't even really give him a good look, but yeah, I had no memory really of what he looked like. It turned out when he was standing in a dark hallway. And then we laughed about it later because he was like, I was kind of unsure because it was so dark, but I was afraid then because you were standing there for so long and I didn't know. It was such a weird. But then we went across the street and like drank a bunch of Guinness and it was fine. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) I get nervous to look at people because I'm nervous to lose your superpowers or or that that I'll know them or know that you are supposed to know them. Yes. That's what I am afraid of now. Yeah. There's so many people. I am so bad with, mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, with faces. Yeah. Names are a whole other journey, but, but I've given up. Yeah, I just did this movie with Jamie Lee Curtis, and she, for like the first week of production, makes everyone wear a name tag. And I was like, "This is so genius! Like it, she can yeah. get away with it." I really want to start doing that on all my jobs because it's just so actually really nice to know people's names and not have to like give them fake nicknames because I can't remember their names. Completely. But I'm like, "Hey, girl, what's up, Peach? Hey, yeah. lady. Yeah. Hi, hun." I know. I mean, I do like saying that stuff too, but I always feel like I just should know this. I know. Okay, so you wrote a book called I Don't Know What You Know Me From, Confessions of a Co-Star. I did. How was that experience? You wrote a book. Yeah, it was really hard. It's so hard. I mean, it sounds like the stupidest thing to say. Like, it's I know. hard to swim across the English Channel. I know. Who knew? I got the writing, my whatever. Right. I can barely swim, so definitely I'd rather write a book than swim anywhere, even probably in my own pool. But I felt like it was – it's just so unlike what we do. Like we don't sit by ourselves and do that. So it was like weird and I remember I had like this deadline coming up and like my husband would be like, what are you doing today? I'm like, I'm having lunch with Michelle and then I'm going to go to like bar class and I'm going to buy some broccoli. And he'd be like, what are you going to write? And I was like – well, I'm going to write after I go to the store. And then like one day he was like, you need to look at this like you look at acting. Like you're not writing and you need to write. This is your job. You're getting paid to do it. And I was like, go to work. Get away. And I was like. You can't give me my call time. Yeah. And I was like, he's fucking right. What a dick. So then I started like making office hours, like writing, like scheduling it in. But it was hard. and. It was hard to um, – well, my editor, who I loved, she said once to me, it's so great that you're okay, like, writing terribly in the beginning. <laughs> she was like, I just can't do that. I can't, like, write badly, but you can. And then it's so great that you're willing to put that out there, like, basically saying when I'm like – like, what I turned into you is me going over it so many times already. But she's like, this is the garbage path, and I love that you're willing to just put yourself out there like that. I'm like, I know I'm not a writer, but. Oh, but that's actually true, don't you think? Yeah. One of the good things about not being, like, a writer mm-hmm. is that I don't have that. I wrote a book with my girlfriend Janet, a novel, and we're trying to sell it right now. And she is a writer for a living, and so it's like I have no problem writing garbage. I'd rather be able to edit something than to start from scratch. It's easier. Yeah. So I just was also worried that I had, didn't have anything of enough interest. I know. I felt like, really boring. And, he, like, especially when they were, like, you know, my editor was like, we need more. We need to beef this up. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. I'm tapped out. I don't have any soul, remember? Yeah. Remember the part <laughs> about how this is empty? But also, it felt like, did you feel like they wanted me to say mean things about people? And I didn't want to say mean things about people. I felt like I didn't get too much of that. But I, I had a friend who wrote a book. And I think she got that, too. Like, not really from my publisher. I just, I don't know. I just got a vibe that like when they bought my proposal that it was going to be a little bit more Hollywoody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that because mine was sort of like about unqualified and like I didn't feel that pressure too much at all. But yeah, but that's tricky territory too. I I mean, because I'm like, I'm not dishing like that. I talked shit about like kids that I grew up with. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I don't care what people think of Jason Baranowski. Just kidding, Jason. If you're listening, <laughs> Jason, was he was he the crush? He made fun of me. 
You didn't, you kind of sort of zigged and zagged with that answer. You made fun of me. Uh, why did you make fun of me? Uh-huh. And why would I have a crush on what the guy who makes fun, fun of me? That's such a what damaged did he make person. Fun, what did he make fun of you about? He made fun of how I dressed. See, that's total crush. Okay. Like, yeah. My mom was always like, if a boy's mean to you, it means they like you. And I'm like, that's why we're all so fucked up in our relationships. Totally. <laughs> like, don't yes. tell your daughters that. <laughs> don't tell them that. If a boy's mean to you, he's mean to you, and you shouldn't yeah. talk to him. Yeah. Like, that's why we date horrible people for years and years and years. Because <laughs> we think that's what it means if you like me. <laughs> so I'd like to put a stop to that right now, yeah. parents. Yeah, you're so right. <laughs> you're so right. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you three questions. Okay. Oh, these are kind of tough, though. We, I'm jumping right in. Okay. To whom would you most like to apologize and why? Mm. What is the trait you most dislike in yourself? Mm. What is the trait you most dislike in others? Mm. I know. I hate these kinds. You feel like you always get those kinds of questions. Not quite this deep on the red carpet, but sometimes it's like, what's your biggest pet peeve? And you're yeah, like, yeah, but also ah, they're screaming at you. Right now. I, I also hate those on the red carpet because no one tells people who have never done a red carpet is it so loud on the red carpet that like everyone around you is screaming and you're screaming. And so then when they ask you like an actual personal question, <laughs> and then it's like really awkward because you're like, what's my biggest fear? My husband dying. I remember screaming that so loud. <laughs> Once in someone's microphone I was like on the oh on the red carpet for Halloween. <laughs> and I was like and the person even like recoiled a little. They were like, that's honest. I'm like go fuck yourself. You're not a real reporter if you, if you can't handle it. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> if you watch people on the red carpet and they're screaming, that's why, because it's so loud. It's also awful when the journalist, like, you know that there's, like, a big celebrity that's much bigger. It's about like, – the, Because the journalist is, like – like, the microphone will still be in your face, <laughs> and their neck is, like, craned. It's <laughs> like, so awful. Wait. It's so humiliating. I know. And there's and you're this just whole, like, should I go on? Okay. Is it, oh, are we? Oh, oh, oh yeah. The, yeah. Okay, I'll please. just wrap it up yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. I know you're waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> Ew. Um, Ew, I know. Uh, okay. Uh. Let's see. A trait I hate in myself. Yeah. I think maybe I don't like how I obsess over things I have no control over. Yeah. And I often wonder how much like mental space I could free up in my brain if I stopped doing that. Completely. Like of all the things, like the weird things and the things about like, you know, a job. Like, I don't know. There's things that are so outside of my control. So why would I even spend an ounce of my time. Do you think this is, because I have that same thing. I don't know if it's true for everybody. I feel like in my case, it's learned behavior from my mom. Yeah. Like my mom is not comfortable unless she's worrying. Mm -hmm. From the global warming to Your like, mom worries about global warming. That's uh, awesome. Oh, yeah. And to like, if, if I've cleaned out my the spool in my dishwasher, like it's the gamut. Um, yeah, my mom's a worrier too. I guess that is I it. I wonder it's if the like worrying. growing up with that, if you kind of get adjusted to. That that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, because my mom was mostly a stay-at-home mom. So like mm. I, I was like, you know. We spent a lot of time together. <laughs> you guys were close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My mom worried a lot. I think I took on that from her. And my mom is a fixer. She wants to fix everything and everyone. Yeah. And I feel like I took on that. And I wish I could just let people be themselves. And I wish I could just not care that I think they're doing something so stupid or making a bad decision or they're not doing it right, whatever it is. Yeah. So I guess that's two things about myself I don't like. Well, I think those are really good qualities. Really? Worrying and wanting really, to fix people? Yeah, I think they're really good qualities. But it means you're considerate and you're empathetic. Or narcissistic, like that I think I could fix someone. Well, you, Is I that? feel like you could. No one listens. Yeah, right here in front of you. <laughs> no one listens. No one listens. <laughs> <God> damn it. <laughs> what was your first job outside of the industry that you really disliked? Oh, well, my first job job was I was a cashier at Olga's Kitchen, which is like a Greek restaurant, like a chain in Michigan that I worked at when I was in high school. Um, that sounds kind of fun. It was, was it? really fun. I really liked it. 
but I got promoted to be an actual waitress and that was way better because tips, you know. It wasn't one I disliked though. I'm trying to think of what I disliked because I've really enjoyed all my jobs, but also because I was young when I had them and they all sort of offered something. Yeah. I mean, the, I did telemarketing for like a hot second Ooh. once that was really horrible. That seems that seems really rough. That sucked because you couldn't even like talk to your coworkers because you had to just keep calling people all night. Did you try like a sexy voice? No. Ever? I didn't try to make it fun. I just was like miserable. I imagine you kind of have to conceal, like if you're getting yelled at and hung up on like time ugh. after time after time. It's like- I know. I was just like, ugh. There was a thing. If you got someone to donate like $250 or something, you could go home. And one day I remember getting to work. It was for and like a nonprofit? Down. It was for my fucking college. And I called my dad and I was like, dad, will you please donate $250 so I can go home from work and still get paid for my shift? Because I just, I'm losing my mind today. I don't want to be here. He was like, he was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And I was like, I got to do the stand up with my arm up. I'm like, I got one. I want to go home. That's (laughs) awesome. So you, my poor dad, cold called your dad. I cold called my dad just to get him to donate money to a college that he was already paying tuition for, um, so that I didn't have to work my job so I could have spending money. I love that. What a horrible (laughs) problem. Yeah. What do you dislike in others? Right now. I hate when people aren't nice to other people. Yeah. It really bugs me. It's so easy to be nice. How could anyone think that what they're going through is more important than what someone else is going through? Yeah. Like, how dare we? I know. And especially we're in this odd position, too, because I love everybody that I work with. I do know that, like, when the actors come to set, people are a little more, you know, buoyant or polite or whatever. And that... It's really nice that everyone's nice to you because they're supposed to be or whatever. Yeah. But it also feels like there's this privileged distance that makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes too. Do you know what I mean? I do. I don't like that. And I also feel bad when like I go to a place – like a dumb thing, like even getting a facial somewhere and I'll go and it's like this great experience and it's so fun and great. And I'll tell a friend of mine like, oh, you have to go to this place and get a facial and like ask for this lady. They're so nice. They're so sweet. And she'll like call me and be like, they're assholes. <laughs> Those people are assholes. Why did you send me there? Right. Because of course they probably right. saw you come in and they're going to be so nice right. to you. And Right, right. And it's, then like the there's real that bummed feeling of yeah. like, man, I, I thought they were cool. I wanted them to be cool to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling bad for like putting my friend in a position where she's like feels bad like she just spent 80 bucks and now I was like fuck them <laughs> sorry <laughs> I feel bad about that I wish people I don't like it when people aren't nice I know Judy wait you're promoting a movie I'm I know ju- Buffalo it looks awesome it is awesome it I've looks seen so it. fucking good. so good yes so it comes out in theaters February 14th yes awesome it does theaters yes it looks so Good. It's really good, and it was really fun. I love how you're grinning when you – I know, because I had so much fun making it. And you know, like when you do these independent movies, you do it because you love it. You're not really getting paid. And so it's just got to be a labor of love. So there always has to be like a reason, whether it's the script or the people in the project. In this case, it was like all of them. It was like I had a Skype meeting with our director and Tanya, and um, and I just like fell in love with her over Skype. And then – Zoe and I said hi to each other at parties and stuff, but, like, I was a huge fan of hers. She's great. I know. I love her. And then the script was really cool, and I liked my character. I thought I didn't, like, totally agree with some of my character's points of view. And I always think that's an interesting – like, it's interesting to play those characters sometimes. Because I wouldn't necessarily have said some of the things my character said, but it was fun to play it and see, like, how those words felt coming out of my mouth and, like – And anyway, we just had a great time. And Zoe Deutsch also produced it. So it was really fun to watch her. Like, she's fucking badass. That's awesome. um, She was doing things that I was like, why are you doing? Like, she would go on, like, location scouts or, like, I don't know. She just was really involved in the production aspect of it as well, which I was impressed with because – she also was in, like, every single shot. So I would be like, you need to go to bed. She looks so She's amazing. so funny. She's like in the a movie. total dynamo, like a yeah. force. Amazing. I don't understand how she has that kind of energy. That's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank congratulations. you. I'm excited. I hope everyone goes to see it. Hey, um, okay, so deal breakers. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're single. Right. On the first date, he asked to borrow $20 for a text. <laughs> deal breaker. No way. <laughs> really? Just like that? 
Yeah. Okay, wait, but what? Are you asking me today or like the old me, like when I was single? It could be either. Today, no. Okay, what about if he he was late because he he left his wallet at the office, but he really didn't want to miss dinner with you? That's okay. Did he call me to tell me he was going to be late? Yeah. That's fine. And so when he gets, yeah, he's on the way. He's frantic because he, he doesn't yeah. know where his wallet is. And it's he upsetting. My husband it's... almost more times than not does not have his wallet on him. So, so in that case I'm then, 20 bucks for taxi? Oh. Oh, so he has not retrieved the wallet. Yeah. He's late and you, he has no so wallet. you also had to pay for dinner? No, I'm not as into that. <laughs> I've done this before so many times and it doesn't ever end well. There right. is some preparation that right. goes into taking a girl out on a date. Right. It's a first date. Judy, you yeah, that's a strong and fair argument. Yeah. Yeah. You, like you get your car washed and you fill up your tank with gas, man. Who knows where you're gonna go? All right. <laughs> Palm Springs. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Um, he quit his job as a lawyer to become a travel blogger. Oh, um, I don't mind that. I mean, I don't know. I guess I would want to read some of his blog entries to see if I agree. He always says, you got to keep it real. Oh, <laughs> um, I don't see myself going on a first date with that person. But <laughs> he was like, you know, he was like junior partner at this amazing law firm. Yeah. And he just one day he was like, he realized that, you know. He has to keep it real. Oh. <laughs> Has he saved up for this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's like planned it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's he, okay. He but does. I'm not into the keep it real. Okay. Let's say he tips 15%. I don't love that, having been a waiter for so long. Yeah. It's true. Like being a waiter, even for like a month, is such an important part of an American yeah. experience. I know. It changes everything. You. I'd it like, changes your whole life. Yeah. It's, so I just think that man's never waited tables or been in like the service industry. Yeah. And therefore we won't work out ultimately. Yeah. Hasn't learned how to properly hide resentment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, it's definitely not rare. <laughs> okay. On Facebook, there are a ton of photos of him with a very attractive young woman. Is it his daughter? Um, well, well, I guess, I mean, it does depend on who the young woman Would you is. ask on a first date? Like, no. We, I know. I, I, wouldn't date. I wouldn't either. I don't even know if I would ask at all. Well, eventually. I don't, maybe, yeah, I guess a year in. <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> um, because I have, I feel really vulnerable when I expose, um, well, vulnerability and insecurity. Right. So I just try to pack that all down. Yeah. I don't think it's something that needs to be discussed on the first date, but it's a flag. I would flag it. Like, yeah. why? Yeah. We had it here that it's it was his sister. So I guess he was an okay guy. Okay. Okay. Let's find out what Judy's weird thing is. Judy okay. brought a weird thing. Okay. Ready? Yes. Okay. She's reaching into her sack. Oh, she pulls out something that looks like a knife made out of beef jerky almost. But upon closer examination, it's in a kind of a dirty Ziploc bag that looks like it was used for something else. <laughs> what? When my is when, this? When my manager? What the fuck is this? I don't is know this? what it is, but I what? I'm scared to hold the bag. It looks like a like a gingerbread man ornament that's been destroyed by a dog or yeah. something. That's like, I haven't opened that bag in a oh, really long time. What is it? I don't know. You're not giving us any context. What do you think it is? Is this some kind of trick? No. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's a man made out of cloth. It looks like a homemade Christmas ornament. The reason okay. I have no idea why it's in a very dirty bag. Because <laughs> I found it in the dirt. Oh, you found he, – oh, he's your he's your dirt man. He's the dirt. He's your typical dirt, yeah, dirt he doll. Looks like a, <laughs> when I bought my house, I was doing some construction <laughs> in the backyard, and I found him – I mean, this is like 15, 16, 17 years ago. I'm slightly superstitious, and 
I found it like in the dirt in the backyard and I got this feeling that like if I ever got rid of it, you like, need a dirt something man. bad would happen to me. <laughs> because it also feels like a little voodoo-y mm-hmm. and like a little Oh, it's creepy. <laughs> and I've just held on to it for all these years. And we were recently like cleaning out our pantry. And my husband was like, uh, can we talk about this now? Because he's never seen it. This was like a you, month ago. You kept dirt, dirt, I kept dirt man in from your, yes. in your pantry. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where else am I going to put him? <laughs> I don't know. So when I was told to bring something weird, I was like, I know what I'm bringing. I think you have to find a name for him, though. I like Dirt Man. Dirt Boy or Dirt Man? Because he does live in a Ziploc of dirt. Um, but I don't know. I feel strangely like if anything happened to him, it would be no. really bad. And so I don't know what I should ask. So I actually know the guy who I bought my house from. He was a friend of mine. And I wonder if maybe he ever, I can't believe Oh, him. I'm sure he's going to remember exactly who Dirt Man is. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe like he'd be like, oh, that was an ornament or that was like, I don't know. Where did it come from? Also, it is old and weird. And what if it was like buried there by like, you know, my house was built in 1923. Oh. So this could be an artifact. Anyway, Dirt Man's my weird thing. Is it weird (laughs) enough? I love it. My favorite part of Dirt Man is that you spent like four minutes just giggling and saying, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what he is. He's a found object. He's art. I can psych myself out with like superstitions too. Me too. I know. I do it a lot. But I also recognize like. That's stupid. Yeah. But do you have anything with acting? No. I know. I don't either. I don't like to get. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I don't have that stuff. I'm not like, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that. But in every other way, yes, I'm pretty superstitious and also acknowledge that it's so stupid. Okay. So you're amazing with your body. And I know that you took ballet for Thanks. a long time. Yeah. That must have helped a lot. Or- yeah. I think it helped me just not be shy of about performing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that um, makes sense. If anything, I don't know. It also, like, helps to know, I think, athletes, all athletes, dancers and sports practitioners, like, all understand their bodies in a way. Like, that, if someone says, like, oh, like, flex this muscle, you can, like, do it. Not that other people can't. I don't really know where I'm going with this. I just feel like, yes, when you're a dancer or an athlete. (laughs) But how? I don't know. There's something about, like, yes, an understanding of, like, how movement happens and stuff that helped for theater, certainly. and But more than anything, I think it just, like, put me on a stage at a young age. So I was, like, always okay. I didn't have, like, crazy stage fright. Yeah, because when you came and did Mom, your character was really tipsy and you were, like, falling over. And, yeah. And you you were just able to make your body very easily floppy, which is – No, it's, <laughs> it's awesome to watch. It's amazing to watch. It's like how does one just tell the body to flop? Yeah, I just guess. flop. Flop. Be floppy. Okay, well, let's call her. Hello? Hey, is this Jessica? Yes. Hey, it's Anna Ferris. Hey, Anna. Hey. Hi, Jessica. This is Judy Greer. Hey, Judy. I'm such a fan of both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah, so I'm 32 years old, and I recently separated from my husband of five years, and it's just one of those experiences that, I feel like leave you so stripped of yourself and, you know, you put so much work into something and there's so much grief and sadness that comes from walking away from it that it just kind of feels like a bomb went off and you take a step back and you see all of the pieces of your life and you're like, how do I begin again? And I haven't really given up on wanting a partner and a family and children. And I know that I'm not unique in this situation. I know a lot of people can relate. And I just kind of wanted to see what you guys think. And how do you begin to put everything back together and dating or not dating? Jessica, first of all, you're so young. And you're even, so young. But even if, like, whatever, you were 83. I, I mean, in like, LA, 32 is basically 18. Totally. <laughs> but I want to really commend you for having having the strength to leave a marriage that you were unhappy in, because that is a really difficult thing to do. There's a lot of societal pressures, you know. Yeah. In my case, it felt like a public failure. Mm-hmm. The first time around, it felt like a failure.
failure with my friends and family, you know, people that had like, mm-hmm. but what then I realized is that people that love me and care about me just want to make sure that I'm happy. And also people don't obsess about me as much as I obsess about me. <laughs> Turns out, huge surprise. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So those are good things just to keep in the back of your mind. I bet the people who are close with you completely understand and hopefully they're really supportive. Do you have a nice support system? Absolutely. My friends and my family, everyone has been very supportive and I have not felt shamed or anything like that for my decision. So I'm very fortunate and thankful for that. You know, in your letter, when you just talked about how much effort you put into a relationship, and I think that that's often the case. And then finally, it's like, man, I've been hoping this person will change for years now. Mm -hmm. And finally, there's just that moment where it's like, whatever I'm doing is not working. And I'm giving so much of my energy to try to force this thing to work or whatever. And then one day it's like, no, I just really don't want to do that anymore. And then in my experience, the dude has always been shocked. Like, what? Yeah. You never did. It's like, I've been telling you (laughs) for fucking 10 years. Right, right. Do you feel a sense of relief at all? Yeah. And that's kind of what's interesting about this experience is I'm very comfortable with my decision and I feel very secure about it. Yeah. Do you feel guilty that you're happy? (laughs) Maybe. Obviously, it's not just my life that has changed. You know, it's the other person. And even though I feel secure in my relationship, there's these days where you just feel this sense of grief. And who was I before this relationship? And like, you give so much of yourself that you forget to take care of yourself. And now, you know, it's just me and my cat. And like, what do I like to do? What do, you know, things like that. Because you haven't been allowed to, like, live your life. You've I know. Isn't it kind of exciting to be like, I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't yeah. have to call anybody oh, I know. to tell like, them that I'm going. <laughs> right. Like, what? This is crazy. Oh, wait, I don't like, I don't, check I'm in not with even going to eat dinner tonight. <laughs> I don't have to, like, do right, anything right. I don't want to do. <laughs> I remember that feeling after my last horrible breakup that I was going to a museum and I left my cell phone in my hotel room. Because I was like, I don't have to have my cell phone on me. Like, I can actually do a thing mm-hmm. and not, yeah, like have this thing attached to me in case, God forbid, he calls and I don't pick up and, or whatever, whatever your version of right. that is, Jessica. But, you know, I'm sure you're feeling relief, but I kind of feel like you maybe should date a little. Uh huh. If I can be so bold as yeah. to say, you're in the habit of being in a relationship and being a caretaker. So, like, what you don't want to happen is to get right into another relationship. Right. But it's like, you know, you might have fun. You need to learn that like men can be fun and dating can be fun and it can be easy and fun. So that would be like maybe a good thing to do. But be careful about just going right back into your old patterns. It's like muscle memory. You're right. Like you know how to be a wife and what you don't want to do is be a wife. You just want to be a date. Right. I love that you said that, Judy. Oh, good. I thought it also, Judy, was interesting you asked about, do you feel guilty about having being like, happy? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> we don't even understand always the compromises that we make when yeah. we're in a bad relationship because so much of it is like treading water. You're just treading water. You're not right. making any changes in yourself because you can't because you're just trying to stay alive. And it's only until you're out of it and you can look at it that you can be like, holy shit, like what was I doing? Why did I hate myself so much? Why was I allowing myself to be treated this way or allowing myself to just be so unhappy? And you're so young, you should not be unhappy. You should be happy and things should be easy and fun. Thank you. Because they're just going to get harder. They just are. So like if a relationship isn't fun and easy in the beginning, seriously walk away because shit's going to get real eventually. Okay. I remember thinking like, not to be morbid, but is this the man I want standing next to me when my parents die? And that was always a really good barometer for me because I was like, fuck no, this guy is an asshole. That's a great barometer. (laughs) Is this a person that can help me through that kind of grief? Right. How long ago did you separate? We're coming up on nine months. Okay. How are things with him? They're pretty amicable, which I'm thankful for. Oh, good. I think we both have an understanding of having left something that wasn't working. And that kind of, you know, eases the pain a little bit, kind of. Mm -hmm. But it's just weird. Like, it all just feels surreal, you know, like being with someone for so much part of your life and then 
you're not. I can't even imagine like laying next to someone else. And I'm not even sure I want that, but like, I like how Anna touched on the societal pressures. I feel like because I'm 32, I should be looking for someone. I should be wanting to get married right now. And I should be thinking about, you know, oh my God, I'm not going to have children or whatever. You have plenty of time. You have plenty of time. And this is what we do to ourselves, you know, pressuring yourself or absorbing the pressure of society. But if you can sort of put that in its own category and try to ignore it because you don't want to be standing at your parents' funeral next to <laughs> next somebody to that you're douchebag yeah. just that you because you wanted to have a baby. Yeah. Right. You're right. You can play A, you've got plenty of time. And B, I think you should have some fun for a couple of years and like yeah. do some fun stuff and take some fun trips and focus on your female friendships. Yeah. And like do some traveling, get out, go places and do some stuff and meet some other people in other parts of the world and have some fun and just try not to worry about that like biological clock. I need to do this yeah. now because you've got so much time. And this is a time where you like should date yourself. I love that. And I also think Jessica, at least what I found after like going like during my breakup periods is that I would go through these times where I felt like I was fearlessly, hopefully not cruelly in any way, but fearlessly honest. Mm-hmm. I really liked seeing that side of me. So I feel like when you do start dating, especially if you're into somebody, I think that, you know, saying like, hey, I just want to be upfront. I was in a marriage. I'm like kind of just getting back on this horse. Um, I'm really excited. You seem mm-hmm. really cool. I just wanted to make sure you knew that in case, because you know, because you're I'm, probably I'm, gonna fall in love with me, and I'm just yeah. about to start telling you right now. It's just we're not gonna be exclusive. But I love that you guys mentioned, you know, not feeling tied to the timeline because at the end of the day, like I do feel that excitement to date myself, and I do feel that excitement to do what Jessica wants. Yeah, uh, hell yeah. Because some of my friends were like, oh, you know, you need to get back out there. And I'm kind of a traditional person in the sense, like, I'm not just going to, you know, be intimate with just anyone. And so we were all like hanging out and they're like, you should join Tinder. And so I did it. And it was horrible. Like, (laughs) so many men feel so entitled to just be like, so what does your bottom half look like? Uh, Are you even worth me paying dinner? And I was just like, Oh, no. And you're right. I don't want to force the timeline. And I feel like putting myself out there sooner than I'm ready would kind yeah, of be Yeah, that seems a awful. Yeah, I would socialize <laughs> with your friends yeah. and, like, get to know people with, like, social – I mean, that's – I say that having never been on a dating app. I but know me neither. But it, it just feels terrifying. It does seem scary. It just feels like that's a way that – for me to feel really bad about myself really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or to become like immediately obsessed with like checking in and seeing. Yeah. That would, be, yeah, that would be. I don't think like, well, I don't, I haven't done them. I feel like in time you might want to do that, but I feel like you have a lot to explore first. I mean, are all your friends married? Most of them are, yeah. Weddings are such great places to meet people. I was just thinking <laughs> there's got to be some <laughs> brothers in there. Um, I know. Brothers, cousins. Yeah. Ask your friends to fix you up with people. Yeah, because – the app thing, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not now. It's too yeah. intense. Yeah. Ask yeah. your friends, husband, your girlfriend's yeah. husbands for like people where they work or, you know, like setups like that. Yeah. I like that. You also like, you have to go to parties, go to barbecues. You have to do that, which sucks sometimes. <laughs> yeah. One of my best friends is single and she like really does. I'm really proud of her. She really does put herself out there. Like she goes to things when she's invited to them. She goes to the party. She goes to like there's a cool art exhibit or something. Like she does that because she's like having a hard time with the apps. Yeah. And she's also very open about like is there anyone on your new job that like is cute that is single that you would want to fix me up with? Like she's always asking me that. Judy met her – Awesome. I met my husband, husband on, on a blind, blind date. Yeah. I met my husband on a blind date when I was 35, I think, by the way. Oh, cool. Yeah. You are so young. I can't reiterate that enough. I know. Thank you. It's such a blessing that you did not have a baby with this guy and that you can now look for someone right. to have a family with. And even though you can love him forever because he'll always hold that special place in your heart and your head and that's okay, you can like lovingly yeah. let him go and have his awesome life so that you can have your awesome life. Yeah. I like that. Lovingly letting someone go. Yeah. Yeah. 
Jessica, thank you so much. And I love you very much. Thank you for doing this. I love you. Thank you, Anna. And thank you, Judy. You guys are awesome. Bye, Jessica. Bye. Bye. Hello. Hi, Hi. Emily. Hi. It's Anna Ferris. Hi, Emily. Oh, my gosh. Hi. And I'm here with Judy Greer. Hi, Emily. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. (laughs) What is happening? So I've been in a relationship with a guy from my work for about a year, more like 10 months, nine months, maybe. And we have a ton of stuff in common and really hit it off. So it's been going really well so far. All my friends really like him. And... I have a couple of different questions for both of you. The first is that we have a pretty big age difference in our relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't think it impacts us like 99% of the time, but I definitely find myself kind of going down like a little spiral in my own head about like, oh, like, is our timeline like going to work out? Like how do, like I catch myself thinking about like things out of my control a lot. And I want to know how I can just like kind of focus on the now and all of the fun stuff we get to do together rather than think about things that are so far in the future and out of our control. So that's the first part. And then the second part is that I've lost touch with one of my closest friends. They started dating this guy. Oh, okay. When you said 99% of the time, what is that 1%? I think sometimes in my head, I'm like, oh my God, like, is our age difference going to be like, it's definitely just me. I don't think he really thinks about it ever. It's definitely just in my own mind. And I'll be like, oh my God, like, are people going to like judge that or think that I'm like, you know, weird? What is the age difference exactly? So it's like pretty substantial. It's like, 18 years. Okay. Do you guys talk already about getting married and having a family together? No, not really. I mean, we've like danced around the subject just because, you know, we we both have friends who are kind of in that place in their lives and like neither of us are ready for that just yet. So we've like danced around the subject, but we haven't point blank been like, do you want to marry me or not? Right. Right. And Emily, you're in your 20s? I am. I'm 23. So there are definitely things that you're worrying about that are kind of out of your control right now or just like worrying about what I would imagine would be kind of far into the future if you guys were to to get married and have kids. I totally understand the desire for security. I like the feeling of security and I like being in a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. So you guys work together? Do you guys still work together? Yeah, I thought he was cute and I kind of pursued him. And then our mutual friend, Chris, he kind of helped play matchmaker. And then he was like, yeah, she's cute. Sure, I can go on a date with her. And yeah, we've been dating since like last May. Well, I think it sounds like you guys are having a really good time. It sounds like, you know, your friends like him. It sounds like things at work. It seems to be working with you guys working together. That's- Is it a secret at work or do people know? No, I like straight up told HR the day smart, that smart, we smart. decided to go on a date. I was like, just so you know, is this okay? And they were like, Absolutely, because we just, the only rule was that we just couldn't, like, be each other's bosses, which we're not, so. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's not a secret. Everybody, like, knows. You guys have fun together? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, we can pretty much do, we can do fun stuff, like, go out, and then we can also just, like, sit on the couch, and that's awesome, too. (laughs) And so, does your family know him? Yeah, my parents actually just met him. Um, My parents, my cousin, and then, like, a couple of really close friends too and they all thought he was a solid guy I mean I think it's always awkward like the first time do your parents have issues with the age difference I think they were like kind of surprised at first they were like oh wow like that's a big one and then (laughs) the more I talked to other family members and friends they were like oh I think that makes perfect sense for you Mm -hmm. so I think for some people it like really didn't surprise them which was kind of reassuring yeah I think the only thing that I've seen when my friends have dated guys that are a lot older is that sometimes without maybe even being very conscious of it an older man can be a little bit patronizing Mm -hmm. and you know when there is an age difference you know life has accumulated for obviously the older person Mm -hmm. but I think for me that would be something that I would flag but it sounds like you guys are super happy yeah do you spend time with each other's friends yeah so I've only met a couple of his friends but one of his best friends I actually work with also of course Mm. but we get along just fine Emily that's awesome I'm happy for you. I don't really see any anything that seems like... As long as you're happy and you're having fun, but I think you should be 
careful not to get too ahead of yourself and take it one day at a time. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to stress yourself out thinking about what if, like how old for this and how old for that. Just like focus right now on having fun together. Yeah. I think that we're all so guilty of like wanting to have everything planned out and that's just impossible. Mm -hmm. So if you can just sort of like think about the here and now with him and like Judy said, like, you know, whatever, snuggle on the couch and yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I don't think you've got so much time to think about the other things. And if he's never been married before I would just be cautious just yet to incorporate it as a part of like dialogue on a regular basis. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Has he been in a long relationship? Yeah, he has. His last girlfriend was like a a nine-year thing. And he was the one to initiate the breakup when they um, finally parted ways. But he said it had been, you know, like it was ready to happen for a long time. And she definitely had like a lot of issues. And I think that he kind of has like a secret like, he like wants to help people you know he's like such a nice guy and i was like mm. first of all i don't need to be helped i got yeah. it <laughs> nice. so let's just clear that up yeah you don't need to be fixed emily this yeah. sounds really good if there's trouble in the waters let us know i'm really happy for you do you want to ask the other question that was interesting the to me what was it one? yeah you haven't talked to one yeah of sure i so our relationship was like progressing really well but one of my biggest pet peeves is like when someone gets into a relationship and then they kind of like prioritize that over all their friends, like that sucks when that happens and you're the friend who like loses a friend. And so I've always been really conscious of like making sure that although I have this awesome new person in my life, I'm like still paying attention to like all of my non-romantic relationships, you know, and mm-hmm. one of my best friends in the whole world, she and I have just like not been able to connect, I think, since I started dating him like last year. And it's been definitely eating away at me. I feel like I've reached out, she's reached out, and like our timing is always off. And like if I bring him up before like chatting and stuff and I bring up a story that he's in or something, she kind of just like one word answers it and like tries to skim around the topic. And I don't know, it's just been bothering me. She's never even met him. So she like doesn't know anything about him. So it's just been like really frustrating. I am so the friend that dumps all my friends. <laughs> I'm the worst. I mean, that's why I don't have any friends. <laughs> so I'll, be your fr- I'll be your friend. Thank Anna. you. You can Thank even you. dump me and I will well, come the- back. <laughs> I think maybe what you're asking, Emily, is is she kind of punishing you? It sounds a little bit like that. It sounds like she's hurt. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely, like, she's never really been in a relationship, and I think she kind of is, like, for a while, we were always, you know, like, single together, and that was definitely something we could, like, chat about and bond over, and I think now that I'm not, maybe, like, that's hard, like, I don't know, and I don't mean to, like, amp myself up, like, trust me, it took a while to, like, get anybody to date me, but I think that maybe that's part of it for her as well. Oh, yeah, completely. She's lonely and comparing. The good news is friends get a little bit less like that as they get older because people then Mm -hmm. start to have even more and more of their own shit going on. It's very good news for me. (laughs) (laughs) But you guys are young and close, and so I think you have to nurture her a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I also don't know if you need to feel guilty in any way because you're in you're in love, you're doing your thing. And maybe, you know, you can apologize for neglecting the friendship or just apologize for missing, you know, each other. Has she like not wanted to meet him? No, she has not met him. Um, But does it because she didn't want to? I've like offered it. And then like every time, like, I don't know, we kind of just like can't connect, I guess. Right. I would just call, right? I think you should call her and you should first like try to schedule just the two of you like a hangout time. Yeah. And then- You know, when it comes up, I think, like, with peace and love, ask her, like, I noticed this reaction from you when I talk about him. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know why that is. Mm -hmm. And just, like, ask her, like, honestly, you know? Yeah. And always be careful about instigating those conversations with booze because it can get, like, (laughs) kind of diggy. But I don't know. I would try to have an honest conversation with her and then... You know, I would just say, like, it would mean a lot to me if you would try to meet him. And then if you meet him and you don't like him, I can't argue with that. (laughs) But, like, you haven't (laughs) even met him yet. So, you know. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I think you might need to pet her. She might need some TLC. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there's jealousy. You know, there's all kinds of things that we probably all 
No. Could she be in love with you? I like think that would be a really good story. I don't, <laughs> Fair enough. I, I wish I were that interesting. I don't think so. It's actually been like brought up to me by like other friends we've had of like, oh, like, were you guys at? And I was like, no, like, just not my thing. Like, rock on if it is. But no, nothing like that. And she is like interested in men, but I'm not sure if she's bisexual. I know I'm not, but like, again, like rock on, like do your thing. Yeah, of course. Um, Maybe she's like an introvert kind of like, like I am where I only have like two or three friends because I feel really close mm -hmm, to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So she could have maybe felt a little more bonded to you. Right. I think you might have to olive branch it to her and, mm -hmm. and just tell her mm -hmm. how much you love her and miss her. You could also like maybe write her a letter and send it to her in the mail. Yeah. I could totally do that. Like on a really beautiful card and just tell her how you feel and that you miss her and you love her. And, you know, you don't want to keep bugging her if she doesn't want to have a relationship with you right now, but you really miss her. Mm -hmm. If you keep trying to make plans with her and she doesn't reciprocate, then I think you should write a letter. Okay. But I think you should keep trying to like hang out with her and get her to talk to you. Okay. Emily, thank you so much. <laughs> I love you. Thank you Thank for you calling. so much. Thanks, Emily. Good or, luck. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye, Emily. Bye. Do you have a joke that you can pull out of your pocket? That's I do have a joke. You do? Hooray. All I right. do have a joke. Okay, here's my joke. I only have one that's not super, super dirty or potentially offensive. Oh. Um, oh, would you rather have those? Yeah, I like naughty things. Well, then I have two jokes. All right. One is, how do you get a sorority girl to suck your dick? I don't know. Put ranch on it. Because <laughs> they like ranch dressing. I like it? ranch, too. I do, too. <laughs> um, that was my stupid I like it. One. But my real joke is this. It's like a story joke. So it's the Last Supper. Yeah. And... Jesus and his disciples have finished eating and they're all sitting around the table and they're full and they're like, oh. And Jesus stands up and says, tonight, one of you will betray me. And he sits back down and the disciples are like, what the fuck? Oh my God. And they're like, what? And Andrew stands up and he says, is it I, Lord? And Jesus says, no, Andrew, no, sit down, sit down. And Peter stands up and says, is it I, Lord? And Jesus says, no, sit down, please sit down. And Judas stands up and says, is it I, Lord? And Jesus goes, is it I, Lord? <laughs> That's my joke. I love that. <laughs> Judy, thank you so much for being here on this, this blustery. It is blustery outside. I know, I know. Well, um, I love you Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I thank you for you doing Thanks this. Thanks for having me. Buffaloed, February 14th. Yes, theaters. Yes, it looks awesome. It Go so to the does, movies. Judy. It's so good. It's so funny. Okay, I love Thank you. you. Thank love you. you back.